0: you know there's a song i grew up the one i want to lean into today it is one of my favorites uh it's called oh how i love jesus anybody else other than me love that song uh and you know it was written by frederick whitfield uh in 1855 and some of the translate some of the versions of the song have nine verses uh the most common one has three Uh, and i'm gonna just sing the first verse in the chorus and then we'll preach on it but it says there is a name I love to hear, I love to see its word, it sounds like music in my ear. Come on, the sweetest name. On what's that name? Come on, declare it with me. Oh, oh, come on, church. How I love Jesus. Come on, and oh, yes, sir. How I love Jesus. I hear you in your living room, Jesus. So, how I love Jesus. Why? because he first loved me oh how I love Jesus come on one good time say oh yeah how I love Jesus oh how I love him oh come on how I love Jesus oh how I love him oh yes Lord how I love Jesus. Why? Because, because he first, come on. And because, he, because he first, because he first love me. Come on somebody put those hands together and give the Lord This song is very important and it communicates a powerful theological truth um, around the love of God, especially on this Advent Sunday, second Advent Sunday that we are focusing in on the love of God in Christ. And when I think about this, it is barrier breaking. And the reason why, and it is stronghold destroying, because there are many of us, especially I remember growing up in the context that I did, That felt like I was not worthy of the love of God. Anybody ever in this place other than me felt like you were not worthy or not good enough for God's love? God could not love you. In fact, there are many people who are like, Man, I can't come to church because on that day, lightning is gonna strike inside this building. Because we feel like we cannot. Uh, engage or be around uh, the people of God and in the presence of God uh, because of our imperfection you know and then you have people on the other side who feel that they are good and feel like they have it all together they the best thing since sliced bread got a new tongue every season that's the January tongue then we add a in March come on somebody You know, you call their voicemail and they're just like, welcome to the prayer palace of the anointed voicemail of God in Christ. I love him and he's so good. And you know, and so we have the two extremes where you got people uh, that are so broken and feel like we are not worthy of being able to be in God's presence or to be able to engage God or to be loved by God. And many of you which I want to come against today have the view of God, the picture in your head because maybe of that picture that your family used to hang on the wall or uh, maybe because of the way that you were parented. Oh, I didn't mean to go all here today, Uh, but your view of God oftentimes is attached uh, to the way that you were parented. And so because your father was the way that your father was, you think that God the father is that same way. And so there's this where there's brokenness but then uh, consequently not only this on the flip or the opposite of this is you got people who are confident in their own works in their own righteousness, in their own perfection and they declare and say, oh, how I love Jesus. Well, I want you to understand this because uh, I think whether you fall on one side or the other uh, it's important for us to remember one quick fact That the only reason why you love Jesus, arrogant one, or the only reason why you ought to look past, or the reason why, rather, you ought to look past your imperfections, broken one, to the fact that you can declare your love for God is not because of what you or I have done or not done. But it's because of what God has done for you in Christ. Somebody ought to give him praise right there. Listen, I feel this preach because I want you to get this and understand. Uh, A fact of the matter is he starts the, and we're going to go to Romans chapter five. What book did I say? Romans five, and I want to read Romans five, six through eight. Uh, But before I go there, I want to just start this uh, song. Notice in verse one, he says, there is a day." I love to hear here it is he says I love to sing its worth it sounds like music in my ear it's the sweetest come on name on earth anybody know what that name is so somebody put some caffeine in that voice and shout Jesus Oh, yes. He says that's a sweet name. Anybody agree with him that that's the sweetest name? I tell you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What an incredible and a beautifully sounding name like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. And then he says, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. He declares his love for Christ. But then he says it's because he first loved me. Anything good that I can do, anything uh, proper or right Or orthodox that is uh, that I can declare in regards to who God is or who Christ is it is not because of my goodness it's not because I'm so erudite or astute it's not because I am omniscient it's not because I know all things but it is because of what has been granted to me in and through Christ Jesus this is why he declares it. It's powerful. The name of Jesus. Somebody say his name so sweet. Come on. Yeah. Jesus name so sweet. Hey. Emmanuel name so sweet. Come on. And Jesus name so sweet. I just. Emmanuel name so sweet. Say. And everyone. Talk about Jesus, Jesus name so every every time I talk about Jesus, Jesus, every time say and every time I talk about Jesus, Jesus name, every say every time I talk about Jesus, Jesus why is his name so sweet? Why? Why is his name so sweet? The name Jesus, watch, it, 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 it just comes and flies in the face of our insecurity or our arrogance. Uh, because watch, watch, the fact is uh, that no matter which side you fall on, the name Jesus literally means Yahweh rescues. Uh, or Yahweh Yahweh the proper name for the triune God for the Trinity or Jehovah Jehovah rescues Yahweh rescues Yahweh is salvation let me break it down God saves and so watch for those of you who feel inadequate or for those of you who feel arrogant the inadequate uh, ones I want to encourage you to understand uh, that the beauty is notice he says uh, that he loves Jesus but he loves Jesus because Jesus first loved him come on the fact of the matter is that God saves from our brokenness God saves through Christ from our inadequacy And for those that think you have it all together and that you're when you go to the bathroom it smells like Chanel number five there is nothing come on that you can do to ever get your righteousness to be to the place where it can make you uh, the best thing since sliced bread I wonder if there's anybody in this place that knows that the Bible says that your righteousness is as filthy rags no matter how many old ladies you help across the street or how many good works that you do there is nothing we can do that earns our righteousness before God and so whether you're arrogant or you're in the place where you are broken you need to come we all need to come before Christ and rest in his love and what he did for us are you with me and so Romans 5 did you did you go there Romans 5 verse 6 through 8 the Bible says is why his name is sweet for while we were still weak at the right time Christ died for the ungodly somebody say while we were still weak It's one of the biggest reasons why people have a problem uh, not just uh, because of arrogance but because of inadequacy. We think that we have to clean ourselves up and get ourselves all together before God would love us. And this is why we are up and down as it pertains and many times uh, to our relations with God. Because we think that God's love for us is based upon our love for him or our actions for him. Come on. But note the text says that while we were still weak. This is when Jesus died for us. While we were still weak, God did not wait for you to get it together and start acting right before he died for your sins. He came while you were still weak. Look at somebody, tell them while you were still weak, while you were still weak at the right time. And then he goes on verse 7 and says, one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners. Oh, Christ died for us god didn't wait for you to get it together he didn't wait till you were in a place of strength for those who feel you have to be in a place of strength for god to love you no. god loved you even before you got here and right now he loves you for those who are here and you're like i'm not i don't have it all together i can't god could not love me look at what i did he died for you knowing that you would be weak He didn't die for you because you had it together. He died for you when you were weak. Come on somebody. It's like Batman dying for Joker. It doesn't make any sense. The hero dying for the villain. This is what God in Christ did for us even though you and i do not have it together i want you to peep this so uh, here we go point number one for those who are note-taking this is a little bit of a lengthy one but i want you to remember this as christians watch our focus should be on what god has done for us more than what we can do for him okay let me bring it again come again selecta as christians Our focus should be on what God has done for us more than what we can do for him. Most of us, when we think about our relationship with God, we're thinking about what we can do for God. And we think that God is interacting with us based upon what we can do for him. When in actuality, he's not interacting with you based upon what you can do for him. He's interacting uh, with you based upon what he did for you. Oh my... (sighs) And so our focus, the launch pad for anything that we do for God should be from the place where we are focused in on what he has done for us. That kills our inadequacy and our insecurity and our arrogance because it's not based on our work and our strength, but his strength in our weakness. It's a story, you know, we've been talking about for the past few weeks, the story of Abraham. And God gives Abraham a promise and tells him that I'm going to make you the father of many nations. He tells him he's going to give him a son before he, or gives him a son, yes. And he is 75 years in age and he does not have any children and his wife has not been able to have children. And it ends up being to the place where he gives him this son and then in Genesis 22 we see that God calls him to sacrifice this son. He says take him to the place I'm going to tell you and I want you to kill this boy. And it's like, and if you miss the message when God doesn't make sense, Uh, I want you to go on YouTube and make sure you check that out. But notice in Genesis 22, uh, the Bible says, just to summarize, God tells him and he takes him, he tells him to go up on the mountain. It said, God, uh, after these things, God tested Abraham and told him to go and do this. And then what ends up happening in summary in Genesis 22 is God takes him on the mountain. uh, And once he gets there and he's getting ready to kill his son as was commanded as a test, uh, an angel cries out and says, don't do it don't harm the boy and then right after this is where we learn abraham declares and says uh, god is jehovah jireh because there's a ram in the bush that's where we get that saying from he he causes a ram to come in the bush and then he says sacrifice that instead of your son and you know the thing is what i want you to understand is many of us we hear this story and we look and we just think it's regular degular that abraham was not you know kicking back we're like, oh, okay, we just missed the fact that Abraham did not think it was weird for God to tell him to sacrifice his son. Like he, he had the trust, as, he, as we see in the passage in Genesis 22, that God was going to um, make a way out. But it wasn't because he was like, oh, this is weird that God wants me to kill my son. It was more, he, he had an idea that God was going to bring him out because he knew that God was making the promise to him through this child. The reason why it wasn't weird was because, remember, Abraham is coming. And for those who didn't know, Abraham is coming from a pagan background. Let me paint it. He's coming from a context. He's coming from a pagan context where people regularly would sacrifice humans. Uh, I want you to hear this. Sacrifice humans to call for rain or for food because they thought that they needed to kill humans in order to appease the gods. So what God is doing in this situation, watch, we usually are focusing on Abraham's faith. We think, this, this stuff just gets me so excited. We think that the focus of the chapter is Abraham's faith the focus of the chapter is not just Abraham's faith the underlying text is and the focus is that God is a provider and so watch it's about the faithfulness of God he set him up to do what the pattern of the world always was Abraham is a pagan and he's known as the father of the faith because God is using him to set a different thing in place And so what he does uh, He says you no longer when he stops him he is stopping a pattern that says you need to kill Humans in order to appease the gods. He says first of all, it's no gods. There's only one God who is Yahweh. we're stopping this human sacrifice so he cuts that out and then he ends up saying there's an animal in the bush because there's going to be a whole typological thing throughout the history of the israelites Uh, but he's also saying not so he cuts human sacrifice immediately but then he points to the fact that animal sacrifice is going to be done at uh, be over with as well at some point in time Uh, and watch he is preaching and prophesying about the gospel that is to come that when we thought that we had to do stuff and kill ourselves, come on somebody, and do things and work to get God to love us, that he's Jehovah Jireh, come on. I bet you thought of Jehovah Jireh exclusively in the context of providing you with a house or a car, but I wonder if there's anybody in this place that knows that Jehovah Jireh will provide you love outside of your works. So now, what he's saying is, you no longer need to do stuff to earn my love or to get me to do stuff. Come on. Because what I'm getting ready to do through your seed, Abraham, and ultimately through Christ is be able to put, I'm going to, instead of you sacrificing stuff, I'm about to sacrifice myself and die in your place. Oh, I want somebody, to, I hope you all are grabbing this stuff. So he breaks the human sacrifice pattern. Uh, He says there's an animal in the bush which ends up being a typological system to point and to show them the inadequacy of sacrifice in general. Uh, And ultimately it points to Christ who is going to be the all sufficient once for all sacrifice that is going to be God's greatest love letter to us so this is what he's saying when he's saying, I love Jesus because he first loved me. Even as the Bible makes it clear and says, where it talks about working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We're like, oh, see, the Bible says I got to work my own salvation. You know what he says? We usually stop at one verse. First of all, uh, let's just go ahead and read it. Philippians 2 verse 9 through 12 says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus one more time shout his name Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father and then he says therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed so not uh, so now not only as in my presence but much more in my absence this is the apostle paul talking to the church at philippi he says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and we stop there but then look at what the very next verse says watch uh for it is god who works in you both to will and do His good pleasure so even you working out your own salvation you can't do nothing without the enablement and the empowerment of God come on somebody in this place so you can sing and declare about your love for God and all of this wonderful stuff as long as you know that flesh and blood oh come here Peter in Matthew 16 flesh and blood has not revealed it to you but the father who is in heaven I don't know why I'm getting excited about this like this but I just feel like I need to call someone from working and. Trying to get yourself to the place where you think you can earn the love of God. To get to the place where you rest in his finished work for you. This is why many of y'all are walking in fear. And the reason why you're walking in fear is because you have not plunged deeply enough into God's love. Look, 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 I want you to get this. Uh, so, so not only uh, not only do we need to get to the place where we focus more on what God has done for us than what we can do for him, but I want you to understand this. Here the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, uh, look what it says. I'm going to go quickly, but I want you to write this down and follow along and check it out. It says, there is no fear, speaking about God's love, there is no fear in love. Did I make it up or set in the text? But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Let me give you this point. Plunging deeply into God's love drowns our fear many of you uh, you've been focused on punishment you've been focused on judgment and condemnation and consequently this is why you're walking in fear but if you truly embraced and plunged into and realized how much God loves you and how much he has done for you and how much he wants to bless you come on somebody and how much he wants to make you more like himself if you truly understand how much he loves you and you dove deeply into This your fears would drown. Fears would drown. And if you still are walking in fear, means that you haven't gone deeply enough into the love of God. Are you with me? And this is one that I love. First John chapter three, verse nineteen and twenty. Peep this. This is a beautiful one. Uh, He says, "By this we know that we are of the truth, and reassure our heart before Him." Verse twenty: For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and knows everything. When our heart condemns us, when fear grips us and tells us when the devil who is the accuser of the brethren, the Bible says, shows up and tells you you're not worth it, look what you did and all this. You can turn back and say, you know what? Yeah, I know I messed up, but I serve a God that died for me when I was weak. Come on somebody. I serve a God who died for the ungodly. He didn't expect for me to have it together before he loved me. And so now instead of leaning into condemnation, Romans 8 and 1 there is now therefore no condemnation oh my to them who are in Christ Jesus I'm gonna dive deeper into his love and consequently the fear and condemnation condemnation will drown it says that God is greater God is greater than our heart I'm just following my heart sometimes you gotta stop following that heart and follow God dive deeply into who God is and who he has called us to be are you with me and so I want you to understand this uh, but not only this uh, will it, it will it get us to the place where we can defeat fear and condemnation but embracing the love of God also positions us watch to appropriately love others because when you truly humble yourself and realize instead of how i love jesus because i'm such a great person uh, as opposed to how he first loved me when you truly humble yourself and realize uh, if you're like me uh, that you truly don't deserve nan you don't deserve nothing but while you were yet a sinner that god died for you and you still mess up but he's a forgiving god if you truly embrace and understand and humble yourself under this reality it positions and empowers you to love the most unlovable people and so watch this embracing God's love empowers us to love others you can't love people effectively until you embrace God's love for you whether it is in forgiveness come on or whether it is in uh, whatever the the dynamic of his love that you need to grasp. you can't truly love and forgive people if you have not fully and uh, firstly embraced God's love for you are you with me First John 4, 19 uh, through 21 declares, we love because he first loved us. See, this song is just based on the word. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. It's too many people walking around talking about how they're hating on folk and how much they hate people and they are Christians. I know they did something to you, but you have not truly, really dove deep enough into the love of God if you are professing love for a God that you have not seen. We know Jesus walked on the earth, but he's not walking on the earth right now. You have not seen him, but yet you are declaring, come on somebody, that you hate the people that you see every day. He says you're a liar if you hate others, but you say you love Christ. And this is why it's imperative for us. Jesus declares even evangelistically in John 13, 35, he says a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another by this. Someone say by this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Disciples. And so I want you to understand uh, that the fact of the matter is that you and I have no uh, encou- no empower no power to love God or to love others unless we have leaned into His love for us. You and I will always walk in a place of defeat, and you know it's crazy because when we were kids, I grew up in church, and we used to sing simple songs like "Yes, Jesus loves me." Yes, Jesus loves me. Come on. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible me so you and i we got to get back to the place we think a lot of these things are trivial and menial and that they are just minute and they don't have any sort of that oh that's just a kid song every now and again you and i i just feel this preach you and i got to get to the place where we go back to being having that kid like faith come on somebody Uh, now we're so intellectual and so high and mighty and we've gone to the place where we've intellectualized ourselves out of the love of god but i showed up to tell you on this second sunday of Advent that you and I gotta get to the place come on somebody where we return to our focus on the love of God I don't care how much you think you can get to a place where you have attained I I hear Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 declare come on if I can bring this plane down for a landing he says for by grace you have been saved Not of works, lest any man should boast. Come on. And he says, this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. So if there's anybody in this place today who feels like you and I can earn our salvation, I want you to look at somebody today and tell them, neighbor, oh neighbor, tell them there's nothing you can do to earn God's love. Come on, tell them, you can't buy it. You can't put it on layaway. All you gotta do is lean into it. Come on, somebody. Somebody ought to get excited about it there. You can't put God's love on layaway. You can't put God's love on a payment plan. All you got to do is fall into it. Come on, somebody, in this place today. And so I don't know who I'm talking to today who feels like you're inadequate, but I'm going to go back to the top and say, There is a name that I love to hear. I love to sing its worth come on it sounds like music in my ear come on the sweetest name on earth come on and we declare oh how I love Jesus oh how I love Jesus oh how i love jesus and it's not because of my works come on somebody and it's not because of my goodness come on let's have church it's not because of how many t's i cross and it's not because of how many eyes dark come on and it's not because of my church attendance and it's not because of how many scriptures I memorize and it's not because of how much I dance and how many people that I help in my life but the reason why come on let's have church the reason why I love Jesus is because he first somebody ought to celebrate he first, he first loved me. Oh my, that's something to celebrate. Because he first loved me. And somebody here today, you're saying, what are you talking about? Well I'm here to tell you that over 2,000 years ago that my Jesus that he went to a mount called Catherine, and he went up a hill called Golgotha and they hung him on an old rugged cross they pierced him in his feet they pierced him in his side so blood and water came gushing out and not only this they put a crown of seventy-two on his head come on and blood came running down for you and for me but I'm so glad that although they hung him high and they stretched him wide he hung his head and then he died is there anybody in here that's glad about the fact that bright and? In His hands He got up with resurrection power With loving power With power to love your enemies When you feel like cussing them out I dare you to lean Lean into His love Lean into His love Lean into His love If you're going to lean into His love Somebody shout yeah Say yeah Say yeah Yeah yeah. Now put those hands together And give him the glory For his love I'm done I'm done You know how I love him But it's because he He first loved me Because he first loved me no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Somebody today, you have been drawn here. You thought you showed up and woke up and said, Today I'm going to church because I'm just going to get my life right. And we're going to, you know, this is one of my things I'm going to do. You know, before the year is done, I'm going to, it's part of my list. You know, I'm just going to, going to give my life to Christ. Amen. And what you didn't notice. Is that you? Yeah. Yeah, you might have declared and said that. But you're only here because God has drawn you. And it's a miracle when someone repents and puts their trust and faith in Jesus. And so today, if that's you and you're like, I don't know Christ. uh, I'm not in relationship with him. You know, I came here and all this sounds cute, but I do not know him. I want to invite you to dive deep into his love today. You don't have to work for it. He already did it. You just have to fall into it. So today, Bible sums it up and says, to begin a relationship with God, you have to repent. Someone say, repent. In other words, I recognize I'm a sinner. I'm in need of salvation. And I, not only do I recognize this. But I say, God, forgive me. And then I repent. I turn. Someone say, turn. And I put my faith in Jesus. Not in my works, but in his death, his burial, his resurrection on my behalf. And when it is that I do that, then he says to be baptized. Someone say, be baptized. Oh, I give the Lord praise. And I do it every week. And we ought to celebrate 40 people been baptized in Surah City this year hello and on the 18th there's several more i think we're i don't know i think we're like up to maybe seven people so far There'll be baptized again on the 18th this, this is not common y'all i want you to understand what jesus is doing here and someone here you're like it's my turn to repent believe and be baptized when we dip you in the water you're saying i'm leaving my whole life behind i i am buried with christ so His work, I'm identifying and I'm trusting in His death. And when I bring you up out the water, you're rising, rising to new life of Christ. Same way He rose from death. You're rising and saying, I left my old life behind. And I'm identifying with His resurrection on my behalf. And not only this. When you do this, the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. All things become new. And so, if that person is you, and today you're like... I want to do that I want to trust Christ I want to give my life to him I invite you to do so for someone here you're like man I already been baptized but I've fallen away I was worshiping Buddha uh, following these uh, all seeing eye emojis and patterning my life after this and tarot cards and I left the faith and I want to come back to Christ I'm telling you you may have run away from him but he has never run away from you David said if I make my bed in hell behold he is there and as long as there's life there is hope hallelujah that's so why i call you to come home if that is you you can come home today and so uh, in order to do so there's a connection card draw your attention to that again on the seat back in front of you, you can scan the qr code and go ahead and um you know and, and fill out that connection card um, or um if you're listening online by a podcast servecity.ca forward slash connection card watching online The link is for you as well. And I encourage you, fill out that connection card. Let us know about your decision for Christ.